Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I'm not sure how many more years I'd be able to take that without falling after that. <laughs> incredible, incredible. Well, happy Grandparents Day. Uh, if you're a grandparent, I'm glad you are, and I'm glad you have that title and position, and uh, I enjoy it. It's like uh, I said, and I'll say it uh, tonight, I guess it's not something I came up with, but they say uh, the grandkids are so much fun. If I knew that, I would have had them first. If I knew that, right, I would have gotten them. And But anyways... Grandparenting is a, is a great position to be in. Uh, and here we are, uh, me and my wife are in the last trimester of our life, and there's 17, well, we had one go to heaven already, but we got 16 other grandchi- grandchildren, and I've, we've adopted a few of spiritually. Um, I can think of at least a dozen, half a dozen of them that call us grandpa and grandma uh, that have uh, uh, been very important in our lives, and, and uh, so I just praise the Lord for everything that God has done with this title. So I want to share with you a message, um, and, I, and here's what I want to tell you. As hard as I tried, I could not make all of which I wanted to say fit into this morning's message. Was that, anybody ever felt that? Like you just, uh, I just could not shut the door and say that's, that's it, I can't. So what I had to do, uh, I don't do this normally, but every once in a while I have to do this, I have to divide it into two messages. Uh, so, part one this morning, part two this afternoon, there are uh, seven points. You're going to get four this morning and three this afternoon. So, here's what, here's what it is. It's going to be a cliffhanger unless you get back here this afternoon. Because <laughs> you're not going to hear the last three, which you're going to need to hear in order to get through this. Now, I understand it's hard for somebody to get there, but do your best today if you can to get back. Only because I want you to hear the last three points. Uh, I'm going to start with two, two uh, portions of Scripture, and, uh, and we're going to just build off of that. First one is 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 5. And uh, we're going to talk about, or we're, I'm just going to set the stage with a grandmother that was so faithful. Uh, grandmothers are important. They're very, very important. Yesterday I was at my grandson's game and uh, my granddaughter, Haley, and she's here, Haley girl, uh, normally it's my wife that she, you know, responds to, but because I was the only one there, uh, she came running down the sidewalk and jumped into my arms and said, pop, pop, you know. I wish I could have filmed it because I would like to send that down to my wife and say, so there. <laughs> because grandmas are just very, very important in, in life. And uh, so I just want to read this quickly. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, son in the Lord, by the way, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and in Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God, he says, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I re- 
I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. What a compliment that is, huh, uh, for Timothy. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled, that I may be filled with joy. And then he says this most incredible statement. He says, and when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first, where? In thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. And he says, stir up that gift that you were given. Now stir up that gift. Um, now turn over to Matthew 7. Just keep your finger there. Matthew 7, 24. We'll get to it in just a minute. Like I said today, if you hear the first part of this message and, uh, uh, and you leave here without hearing the second part of the message and you can't get back here tonight, I would encourage you to at least get on the internet and, uh, and watch the remainder of it. Um, these are lessons that I've learned, uh, lessons that are biblical according to the Bible, but also how they correlate with my father and what he taught me in the construction trade. So every, everyone goes through cliffhangers in life, and, uh, uh, and some turn out good, some not so good. Uh, but this one turns out good, right? So I hope that you would come back. So do your best to hear the second part. Now, what I'm about to say is there are many grandparents in the Bible that made a difference. And the grandparent is just a second generation, you know, uh, behind you. It just goes on and on, too. Uh, once a grandparent, always a grandparent, and there's many grandparents, and it goes on, great, 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 and whatever. So one that immediately comes to mind is Jethro, right? Moses' father-in-law, Zipporah's dad, uh, he, gave, he gave wisdom to Moses on how to delegate that is literally being used to this very day. It's still being used to this day, how to delegate Delegate work, and I've never been really good at it, but I believe it's important uh, in any type of leadership position is to be able to delegate and know that the delegates are doing what you've asked them to do. And then here, here's another one. We see Lois, who invested her life into Timothy and produced a great man of God. So much so that Timothy said that he was like a son to, uh, Paul said that he was like a son to him. And in verse 5, he recalls Timothy's spiritual heritage. He said, when I call to remembrance, right, the, of the unfeigned faith uh, that is in thee, uh, I think of your mother and I think of your grandmother. I, I, I often say that myself when I'm talking to young kids. You know, when I see a young man or a young woman be faithful in the ministry or in their family, I, say it, I usually say that to them. It just reminds me of your mom. Or reminds you me of your grandma or, or your grandfather, right? And that word uh, unfeigned, that just means genuine, the real deal. So they weren't hypocrites, uh, this mom and grandma, uh, when it came to raising Timothy. They raised him right. Years ago, uh, I'll start out with this. Years ago, every bride received a copy of America's famous cookbook called Fanny Farmers. How many remember that? How many don't remember that? Yeah, usually a lot of the younger ones usually don't remember that at all. I'll wager that this generation has no idea who she was or who I'm talking about. But how many of you know this about Fanny, uh, about Fanny Farmer? Uh, like Fanny Crosby, 
right, who was a prolific hymn writer uh, and who revealed uh, hymns that I stood. In fact, three of my favorite hymns are written by her. Fanny uh, Farmer, right, revealed these culinary secrets as a cripple, just like her, just like Fanny, um, uh, uh, Fanny Crosby. So just after finishing high school, at the age of 17, this is what happened. Fanny Farmer was stricken with paralysis, which maimed her for her life, and she was, and she was the real deal. She really was. She, uh, she wasn't really doing it for the money. She just had recipes she wanted to share, and it ended up, a lot of people still use that cookbook to this very day. So determined to overcome her physical handicap, Fanny Farmer mastered the science of cooking. Right? And it's amazing what we can do if we put our mind to it. But she acquired such skill that the best culinary masters attended her lectures on the art of preparing good food. And she made a huge impact on every cook that came after her. You might say this, that God is, uh, you might say this, right? now her cookbook was passed on. You might say that the Bible is God's cookbook of secret masterful recipes for parenting and for grandparenting. And that it has come down through the ages, right, through these grandparents and parents uh, to us, uh, those are forefathers, as, as Paul said here, through many generations of faithful believers that come down all the way to us. And all of you right now are thinking about somebody that was important to you in your spiritual walk before you, whether it be your mom or dad or an uncle or an aunt or a great-grandfather or whatever. I remember my... Grandfather, he was the, my favorite person in the whole world. I'm not sure to this day if he was saved, but, I, but he, uh, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, but he gave uh, indications that he had trusted on Christ because his life changed after, after, um, after he had did that. So it says in Psalm 127.1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. There's a whole lot of people out there right now trying to build their own house, and the Lord is not, is not a part of it and are laboring in vain. And all of the advice, I think about it, that I have gotten in life, all of all the advice, my father gave me um, some advice that is just uh, irreplaceable. Um, in my early years of learning, how to build a house it was probably his best advice, and it has stayed with me even until this very day. I, um, I'm now passing on some of that wisdom to my son, uh, and now to my grandsons, and. Uh, and even my son-in-laws have called me, and uh, who are one who is a very proficient carpenter, and just saying, how would you do this if you were to do this, right? And I say, well, I think my dad would have done it this way. So my dad was a great, had great work ethics. He's a great carpenter. I was blessed to have them passed on to me. I'm going to use him for these illustrations. They have saved me many thousands of dollars throughout my life in the building trade. Uh, and what were simple words of wisdom to him turned out to be life-changing principles to me, and even I'm now teaching it to this very day to parents and grandparents. So Jesus Christ was brought up in a good Christian home under a carpenter dad. Uh, I was too. Uh, and his name was Joseph, right? And Jesus eventually became a carpenter by trade himself until his ministry began, and I, I want you to, just for a moment, I'm a rabbit trail, I want you to picture Jesus as not the pictures that you see painted of him. Because I don't believe they look anything like that. He looked anything like that. Uh, he's not a, he wasn't meek and uh, 
feminine. He was, he was strong and wiry. Uh, I remember a friend of my dad's was the strongest man I'd ever seen. He was thin, big hands, wiry, and uh, he could just do ma- uh, just feats that were just unbelievable. And I believe Jesus was the same way. He was thin, wiry, had big hands or rough hands, because he, he came under a carpenter, and in Israel, if you were a carpenter, it had not as much to do with wood making as it did masonry work. If you've ever noticed a mason's hands, and I, I've noticed many of them, or someone that works with the ground, their hands are big, they're strong, and they are rough. So, uh, my life, like Christ, sim- uh, followed a similar path. I was fortunate to have been brought up as a carpenter's son, and then ended up in ministry. At, thir- uh, at 32, I got saved, and it was shortly after that that I, I uh, went into the pulpit. And I worked in some, some part of the carpentry trade until I was about that age, 32, and then my life transitioned into ministry. So what I'm about to say to you, I believe are, are truths that will help you. Uh, I've been using carpenter principles ever since, even in my ministry, and how I teach and how I counsel and preach. So during those construction years, I learned safe, seven very basic fundamental principles that fit along with Matthew 7, 24 through 27. So if you got it there, we're going to read it. And then I'm going to just share with you these principles. Uh, and then this, this afternoon, I'd like to share the rest of them. All right. And uh, I think we'll, we'll get there um, fairly quick. So it says in Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be like a little foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So these uh, seven building blocks parallel with Matthew 7. And for grandparents and parents alike, um, they're good principles. And I pray they will help you understand uh, the importance of the words that Jesus was speaking right here concerning building your home. So our responsibility is to build our homes, and we do it in vain without Jesus Christ. Now those are harsh words. We do it in vain without Jesus Christ. So our responsibility is to build our homes on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you agree with me, say amen. 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 All right, so, and his word. So here we go. Building block number one. Are you ready? Follow instructions. Follow the instructions. Uh, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Oh, my. Oh, my. Every time I read that. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? This one is one of the greatest heart-provoking, heart-proving questions ever asked. You're, you're calling me your Lord and Savior, and yet you're not following the directions that I give you. And that's what he's saying. And this is one of the greatest things we need to learn. My dad used to say to me, when all else fails, follow the instructions. Now, it always irritated me when he said that. He was using it with sarcasm, and he knew it irritated me, and the reason he would say it, in other words, he was saying, son, you say you're a carpenter, 
but your actions say differently because you didn't follow the directions. So do you know, uh, do you know you can avoid a lot of problems in life and a lot of frustrations if you just take your time as a parent and be patient and follow the instructions that God has given you in his word. For some people, they'll only open the Bible today and the rest of the week it'll stay shut. Um, the Bible is your instruction book. A, a vital building block is for a parent to heed to the instructions. The instructions of the master builder, right? And get off their high horse, humble themselves and read his instructions if you, if you want to build your home with the least amount of problems, you have to do that. So why not go to the expert then rely on yourself or what you think? Just go to the expert and ask him and pray about it. You know, if a parent doesn't follow instructions, it won't be long before the child doesn't follow instructions. And I, I learned very long ago and very quickly when I did that the lack of giving proper time and proper attention and proper attention to the fine details in the instructions could make a house a, uh, uh, could uh, could make the whole structure unsafe. Right. So uh, the Bible is God's instruction for construction. That's what it is. And and, and many times I, I will hear parents say, "Where did I go wrong?" That's what I hear them say. Well. With all due respect, if you're one who has said it, nine times out of ten, this is where you failed. This is where you went wrong. Usually there are, these are the same parents who are not consistent parents, they're not patient parents, or not willing to work hard at it, they're not willing to follow his instructions, especially when it comes to correcting a non-compliant child. So a parent must follow instructions in order to get the best results when giving instructions. I would say the most phone calls I get uh, 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 from parents is, is, uh, uh, is about how do I handle this with their child? You know, how do I handle my child in this way? So typically when a parent doesn't follow instructions, they raise children who don't follow instructions. That's all it is. Uh, their children will follow their very own footsteps. Now what I'm about to say, I say with love in my heart, with no disrespect to anyone who might be on welfare. But welfare lines are full of second, third, and fourth generations of welfare recipients. Why? Because children follow in the footsteps of their parents. That's what they do. And, and that includes learning bad habits. A bad habit, uh, bad habits are like comfortable beds. It's easy to get into, but very, very hard to get out of. In fact, someone once said habits start out as cobwebs and they end up as cables. Well, a, bad, a habit is developed through the repetition of a thought or an action. In other words, you can't just go to Sunday, go Sunday and read something in the Bible and then go back home and not use it. So the more, uh, the more you put good habits into your children, the more permanent these habits will become in their lives when they're older. Uh, for example, I get up every morning because uh, early. And that's because my parents wouldn't let me sleep in. You're not going to sleep in. You're going to get up. And I remember them every. I remember at six o'clock every morning. Up we go. And mom would be in there. Dad would be in there. And he would just. Uh, they'd flick on the lights and get up. You know, school's coming. And uh, I remember my father doing that one time. Even after I was left the home, he come to my. I was sleeping in one day. He come in. He woke me up. He goes, "What are you doing sleeping in this morning?" 
It has benefited me my whole life, and it'll benefit kids. It really does. Here's the building block number two, right? And this is one that basically Christ is talking about here. Uh, he talks about, you, you know, first he, first he says that you need to hear these things, follow instruction. But secondly, he says, uh, you got to lay a strong foundation. You must lay a strong foundation. Uh, the dad's, dad used to say this, the house goes as the foundation goes. Now, what did he mean by that? The found, and he says the house goes as the foundation goes. What he meant was you lay a square foundation and you'll have a square house. Uh, lay a strong foundation and you'll have a strong house. Lay a sure foundation and you'll have a sure house. But if you lay a weak foundation, you're going to have a weak house. Isaiah 28, verse 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion... For a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Christians must always be laying up in store, according to 1 Timothy 6.19, for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. The strength and surety of a house is mostly determined by the foundation, by the foundation that you lay. See what he said? That they may lay hold of eternal life. The best chance you have, parents or grandparents, of having your child or grandchildren saved is laying the foundation uh, for them to come to know Jesus Christ. So the strength and surety of a house is mostly determined by the foundation. I used to think about that. I used to, I, I've poured concrete several times in my life. And, and sometimes we pour for house. So you, selecting the site is very, very important. Determining the depth, proper depth for the weight that it's going to bear. Very, very important. Uh, it will return, uh, determine how well it stands when the storms come. And that's what Jesus is saying. We must build upon a solid foundation if we expect a strong house. So spiritually speaking, there's only one foundation upon which to build your house. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the solid rock on, uh, on which I stand. And all the ground is what? Sinking sand. It sure, certainly is. He is the rock of our salvation. He is the foundation of our faith. As it is written, Behold, I lay on Zion a stumbling block and a rock of offense, and whosoever believe on him shall not be ashamed. Romans 9.23. What verse Corinthians 3.11? It says this, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. No foundation like Jesus Christ, none. Right? 1 Corinthians 10, 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The reason Moses didn't go into the promised land, because he was supposed to speak to the rock, Jesus, but instead he struck Jesus. So everyone builds their life upon one or two foundations, the rock of salvation or the ruins of your damnation. Uh, one foundation that never fails is Jesus Christ. And he is the rock upon which homes have to stand or they'll never survive the storms that are going to come their way. He also taught that there is also only two kinds of builders. There's wise builders or foolish builders. And anybody's in a construction trade, trade knows that. There's wise contractors and there's really foolish contractors. 
Um, I'm not mentioning, I'm not going to mention any names. I know some. So this means there's wise builders that are, make homes better, and there's foolish builders that are home wreckers. Uh, you can move a tree much easier when it's young, can't you, than when it's old. In the same way, what Jesus is saying is it's easier to train a child when she or he or she is young than it is when they're old. I think it's mutually agreed upon in Christian circles and in the secular circles now uh, that, the, uh, that children develop who they are by the time they're eight years old. That's the only, that's as much time as you have. You gotta, you gotta, and you gotta figure about two years old, they start to cognitively think. So you got about a six year window there. Uh, we're gonna help them develop spiritually. So these are critical years, aren't they? And once they pass this age, their moral and spiritual value is already established. And, and, and this is being, this being the accepted truth, children taught biblically Biblical principles in these critical years have a significant advantage over children who aren't taught these principles. That's why your children need to be in church. You know, I, I, I say this with all love my heart. It's not about just giving them games and, you know, doing all these fun things with them. It's about teaching them and so they can learn. So then they walk out of this church and they walk into life. The first thing they'll do is pick another church. Right, so they can go in and teach their children. So wise parents build homes upon Christ and generally speaking produce children who do the same. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Here's building block number three. Use the best materials. Dad used to say this, you get what you pay for. Anybody ever said that? Yeah, you get what you pay for. Cheap materials produce cheap products, cheap tools, make for harder work. Don't settle for anything, he says, but the best, even if it's much harder to get or much harder to do. In other words, use the right tools and the right materials for the right job and you'll get the right results. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus is saying. If the iron be blunt and he did not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength but wisdom is profitable to direct. In other words, what he's saying in Ecclesiastes 10, Solomon is saying you got to keep sharp, just like you got to keep a tool sharp, a blade sharp for a tool. And for convenience and cost cutting, very often what we do is we jeopardize the integrity of the structure. And why would we do that, spiritually speaking, when we've been so fortunate enough to have the Bible? Why would we do that? You know, when we open the Bible, we open the mind of God. Why are we not opening it? Why would we neglect prayer when we have been given the privilege and the promise of God that he will not only answer the hear the prayer, he will answer the prayer. Right? Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Why would we miss church? When church is the head, uh, when Christ is the head of the church and he himself promises to be there with you, even your tuition to be uh, for the church is paid, it's free, because it has been paid for by his death. In other words, yes, we know we got to give to the church, yes, to, to help it financially and to go ahead, but he says you can come in here and worship anytime for free. You don't have to give. We're not going to kick you out the door if you're not giving. 
why do, why do we think we can neglect the church and still have the quality materials that are needed, right, uh, to build a quality product? And what's happening right now is homes are collapsing all over this nation and society as a whole because of neglecting the church and de-emphasizing the importance of attending the church or tending to the church. Do you see the common sense behind what Jesus was saying here? It's just common sense thinking. Don't settle for anything but the best. You have the best. You have the Bible. You have the church. You have prayer because you have access to, to the best at no cost to you. And compromising in these areas compromises your child's future. It really does. And that brings me to my last point today. Uh, excuse me, this morning. Three more this afternoon. And you got to hear, I think it's the fifth or, fifth or sixth, just, uh, just amazing how it fits in here. Here it is. When you're building, don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Dad used to say this, take your time and do it right the first time. Don't cut corners. I've noticed parents seem to lose patience more quickly now than ever before. They're willing to cut corners just to keep a kid quiet or, or to keep him out of their hair. They get frustrated very easy. And to avoid the frustrations and the hard work of parenting, they either just avoid the responsibility of what they need, know they need to do or they lose control and start screaming and yelling. Listen, you will avoid a lot of wasted time and unneeded headaches by doing it right the first time, staying in control while you do it. And I, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It will take a lot of time, a lot of hard work, and it's going to take a lot of patience. A parent must realize that building upon a rock takes more time to do that. It's harder labor. It's costlier resources and stricter discipline in order to build upon the rock. If you don't want to, you can just do a slab. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, but, you know, eventually the floors, the floors are going to crack, the water's going to come in, and you can't just dig a hole and pour concrete into and expect the Taj Mahal to appear. Uh, the Bible says the laborer, now listen, the laborer is worthy of his hire. He did not say the lazy one is worthy of his hire. You know, Luke 14, 28 through 30, for which of you intended to build a tower says that down first and count as the cost. Whether you have efficient uh, 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 to finish, whether you have sufficient to finish it, less happily after you have laid the foundation, is not able to finish it. I've seen a lot of homes start, and they never counted the cost. One was a friend of mine. He did all the work and put in the foundation and everything else, and never thought about drilling the well. And then when they went to drill the well, there was no water on the property. And he had the whole house built. If he had done the work, he had done the research, right? He would have known that that was not the spot to lay that foundation. The, this principle of finishing what you begun is critical for success in, in parenting. The foolish builder rushes, cuts corners, and therefore is not prepared for the storm. Right? The wise builder takes his time, works hard, does it right, and therefore is prepared for the storm. 
And by the way, storms come everybody's way. There have always been storms in the life of every person, and it doesn't exclude Christians. We are now facing much greater spiritual storms than ever before in our nation than our forefathers have. Way more. This means our children are going to face much more fiercer storms than we did. Uh, this is the main reason for building a solid house. It's to assure that it will be able to weather the storms that are ahead. You know, teaching our children how to do that. Uh, we can't cut corners, can we? You, you can't shelter your children from the storms, but you can prepare them for them. You certainly can. Uh, it's easy, and most of it they're going to learn is how you weather the storms. That's what they're going to learn the most from, is you, how you get through the storms. All kinds of storms will come their way, just like they came your way. Think about some of the things that you've been through in your life, right? Sickness, sorrow, abuse, neglect, loneliness, suffering, disappointments, unwanted diseases and addictions, immorality, poverty, bankruptcy, rejection, pain, accidents, and adversaries, lies and gossip, failures and falls, wars and floods, earthquakes and hurricanes, and if that's not enough, even death and destruction. Storms. Now is not the time to cut corners. Now is the time to tighten up the belt. You're preparing children to weather storms that are always on the horizon. There's always a storm. I got caught off guard the other night. I don't know if any of you did here in Gilderland, but I did. Wow. That storm came through. And, uh, I mean, it, it sounded like a freight train was coming through that house that you let me live in over there. I mean, I look in the front yard, and there's a pond of water. And I'm, I'm like on a, uh, it's like a moat around, this, around my house. Then the power goes out. And the power's out for five, I don't know, five hours, something like that. It was a long time that the power's out. I had to go, out, had to go in my RV. How, isn't that funny how it happens just before I'm going to preach something about this, right? So I'm out in the RV, and I'm starting up the, the generator. I'm running uh, lead cords all through the house to keep the refrigerator going, the freezer going, the Wi-Fi going, uh, only because so I could see, because I don't get good signal over there, so I could see what's going on, when they're going to get fixed, the, when they're going to fix the power. But this, listen, this is just life, isn't it? It's just life. You're preparing children to weather storms that are always on the horizon. And if you love them, you will not cut corners and you won't compromise the structure. And that is why it must be clearly understood by them that Jesus Christ is the only rock to build upon. Amen? He was not one who used shoddy, or shoddy I should say, materials or an amateur builders. Right? He gave it all that he had all of his life. And it's all to him we owe. Turn over to John 14 and we close. I so much just want to keep preaching here and keep you another hour, but I won't. I won't. I, I'm a needy person. I need to have you continue to love me. This closes out part one. Look at verse two and three, John 14. 
John 14, verse 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to what? Prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now listen to me. In your father's house are many mansions. By the way, there's a, there's a teaching out there that he just meant rooms. No, I prefer mansions. And I believe that's what I'm going to get when I get there. And it fits into what I'm about to say. He says, I go to prepare it, and if I go to prepare it, I'm going to come back, receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Now, do you see what he's saying here? Here's what he's saying. He himself is building your eternal home. That ought to make you smile. He himself is building your eternal home. He's not using shoddy materials. He's using gold and silver and pearl. He's not depending upon amateur builders. He said, I'm going to do it myself. Travis, Joe, all you contractors out there, how many times have you done that? I can't depend on that guy. I've got to do it myself. I'm going to get it done right. He's building it for you. And he's finishing it for you personally. He has you, you in mind. He has designed for you specifically this mansion because he wants the best home that he could possibly give you. Now listen to me. No details missed at all. The only thing missing is you. The only thing missing is you. Now if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, one day he'll greet you when you get your eternal condominium. He'll escort you in. The view, the view of the sea of glass is beautiful. The throne room is right, out, right in the middle of that view. But if you don't know him as your Savior, just think about this. All of that hard work, all of that specific design that was for you, you'll never get to see. You'll never get to see. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Will you be there to occupy that mansion he has prepared for you? Because you have trusted on Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's bow our heads. He said this. While your head, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, he said this. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is my Father's will which has sent me, that all of which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but I uh, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, he repeats it again, that everyone which seeth the Son believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. All you have to do to occupy that mansion is to come to him right now in this life, and he'll do the rest.
He'll greet you in heaven. He'll escort you to your new home. And you'll live forever with him. So the bottom line question this morning is, will you occupy that home he's building for you? Or will, or will your home be in hell? And by the way, he built that too as a place made for Satan and all unbelievers. So it's all up to us, isn't it? It's all up to you. So will you repent of your sin and just receive him as your savior? Or will you decide to reject him and miss the greatest construction project of all time that was made for you in heaven? With heads bowed and eyes still closed, we invite you now to repent of your sins, receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, accept the invitation and be saved because your new home awaits. Amen? And just admit, just right now, if you're not saved, admit to Jesus you're a sinner. You have no way to save yourself from the penalty of your sins. You have no way to occupy that mansion unless he escorts you in. So your sin debt that must be paid is an eternal debt. But the good news is that Jesus died in your place. He paid for your sin debt by dying in your place on Calvary's cross and then he rose again to save you from hell, give you a home in heaven, spare you from God's wrath, and give you eternal life with him. All that's left to do is just accept the invitation, right? Accept, by, accept Jesus by faith and for the free gifts of eternal life he offers you. Just repent, turn from your unbelief, and then ask God to save you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a statement, a one-time statement for all time. So if you sincerely pray right now for Jesus to save you from your sin and receive him as your Savior, you'll be safe and secure in that mansion in heaven one day. Amen? So with every head bowed and eye, every eye closed, is there anyone here who would say by the raised hand, and I'm not going to embarrass you, I just want to know who to pray for. I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior yet. I have not given my life to him, and I would like to know more. Is there anyone here by the raised hand? All I'm going to do is say amen. Anybody at all? I do not know. For all of you watching on live feed, why would you not follow the Bible and the instructions? Why would you not lay a foundation that will last forever? Why would you not put your faith in the solid rock that stands. Trust on him today. Trust on him today. Give your life to him and allow him to reassure your heart that one day you'll step through that mansion door and celebrate with him forever. Mike. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.